Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Look someone in the eye and tell them, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. God wants to do mighty things for you. This, this weekend's Torah portion, Parshat Taso, is, is the one that contains the ironic benediction, the priestly prayer, which we, like many Messianic congregations, uh, use to close our services every week. But this week, we're going to use it for the basis of our message. So if you want to stick with me, our primary text will be in, Gen- in um, Numbers chapter 6. But I actually want to start with the call of Abraham, Genesis 12. So you can start there in just to remind you of who you are and what you have been called into. The scriptures say that you come from a quarry. A rock has been dug out and you are part of Abraham and you are part of Sarah. And because of that, their calling on life helps define what your calling is. And the demands on their lives will become demands on your lives. The opportunities that they had will become opportunities for you. The experiences that they had will be echoed in your own life. And so in Genesis 12, the Lord says to Avram, get up, get yourself out of your country from your family and from your father's house. And the fact is, there are... There are times for every Jew and for every person who joins himself or herself to the Jewish people where you're going to have to get yourself up and you're going to have to get yourself out and no one will do it for you. Others may encourage you, others may go with you, but you're going to have to do it yourself. If you don't do it, you will be stuck where you are. And there'll be a time of leaving, a time of, of leaving family, of leaving what's familiar. And every Jew who joins themselves to Yeshua will find this as a double portion. Not only will they have to get up in a normal Jewish way, but they're going to have to make a choice to go outside the camp in order to be part of Yeshua's life. And there is a going out that is an advance. It is not a negation of your family. It is not a negation of your past, of your heritage. It is an affirmation of the will of God in your life that calls you to move up in a different way than you would have been able to do in the natural. Get up, get yourself out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. Now, not every son or daughter of Abraham is going to become a great nation, but you will become part of a great nation. And so it's important to understand you're not joining yourself just to those who are the victims of anti-Semitism. You're not joining yourselves just to those who are persecuted. You're not joining yourselves just to those who are misunderstood. Though you are but you're joining yourselves to those who have become a great nation. Small in number, but great in God's eyes. And then it says, I will bless you and I will make your name great. And then this is the part that I really want to emphasize. You shall be a blessing. 
The Hebrew has this in a commanding form, not in a predictive future form. It's not that one day you will be a blessing. It, 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 it can be rendered in older English as this, be thou a blessing. It's a command from God to us, be a blessing. And it is the condition that causes these other things to happen that follow it. Be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And I'll curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It doesn't actually say shall be blessed in the Hebrew. It says shall bless themselves. So there is like this power that comes upon people where if they associate with the Jewish people and with the people of God, they will be able to bless themselves, not in their power, not in their, their own capacity, not with their own resources, but with the blessing of God that is being imparted to people in this way. Be thou a blessing. So I want you to keep that in mind because it raises a question. How do you get a blessing in order to be a blessing? Where do you get your blessings from? These are important questions to know. You know, many people feel like they get their blessings from the bank. If you've got enough money in the bank, it feels good. Have you ever had that experience of elation when you have money left over? And, or when you're accumulating money? Who knows it feels better to have more money in the bank? Anyone here? Any bankers know that? Yes. You see, the fact is, many times we do tie our sense of emotional stability to our bank accounts, to our finances. And that's not an unreasonable thing to do, but that is not the foundation. And you learn that by going through times of plenty and times of lack. You learn that you can still be blessed. And you also learn that some people who have plenty are not blessed. But I believe it's time to renew God's blessings in your life. It's time to focus on restoration and renovation. It's time to do maintenance if necessary. You know, you've got to change the oil in the car if you want the engine to keep going. You could say, well, it's really good oil, so it ought to last. And you can say, sometimes I just need to add a little bit more oil, but that's actually not wise. You've got to change the oil, Right? It's, it gets used up. It's not as fresh as it needs to be. And you've got to change the filter too so that everything's clean and working right. And in the same way, blessings need to be renewed. They need to be maintained. There is so much difficulty. There is so much heartache. There is so much discouragement. Let me ask you a question. If someone wanted to sit down with you and ask you about your troubles, how long could you talk? All day. All day. Who could go all day? Who could go longer? <laughs> who could go surely for an hour or two? Is there anybody who couldn't go for an hour or two? You have no troubles? I got no troubles. That's my trouble. It's my problem. I have no problems. Most of us have a, a full set of problems. Most of us wish we had someone else's problems. <laughs> oh, yeah, because most of us say, if I was like him, 
if I was like her. And you don't realize that person has problems too. There's a rabbinic legend about uh, a man who was transported up into heaven. And he was so troubled by his difficult life. And he was offered, he was offered an opportunity. He was able to look down and see everyone's problems on earth. And then he could pick whose problems he wanted instead of his own. He surveyed all the problems and realized his were not so bad. He went back and continued with his own problems. Sometimes I thank God for my problems. This might sound perfectly strange to you. But I say, Lord, thank you for my problems. Thank you that you gave me my problems, not somebody else's problems. Thank you that there wasn't like a mess up in the shipping department. And I, you know, oh man, I got somebody else's problems. This is a terrible mistake. You know, I got to send this back, right? I got to send it back to whoever deserves this instead of me. But God knows you. He knows your name. He knows your character. He knows your calling. He knows what you're up to. And he knows what problems belong to you and what problems can be useful for you. So he will let you experience certain problems. Now, I don't believe that every problem that you experience comes from God. I think some, some problems do happen, but God has a way of sorting through things. Even things that seem random that happened, even things that seem accidental that happened, God can get his hands on. And he can turn them into something good. In fact, even evil that's done against you can be transformed if God can get his hands on you. He will not cause the evil to not be evil, but he can change the results and he can change the impact on you. And he can deliver you out of being a helpless victim of evil. And you can rise up. You can have enemies and God can show you how to bless them. And things can be changed because of that. But it's time to renew blessings, God's blessings in your life. And I want to ask you to think about a difference. There's a difference between focusing on your problems and focusing on the blessings that you need. Here's an example. What if your problem is you've got a bad temper? Do you know anybody who has this problem? Okay, so you know somebody. You can focus on that problem with 100% of your attention, but you could also have a different orientation. You could, you could ask this question, what blessings does that person need? What blessings from God do they need in order to be able to live differently? Like, what does a person with a bad temper need? What are some blessings they need? Can you tell me? The Holy Spirit. We all need the Holy Spirit. Patience. I couldn't hear. A calm spirit. A person with a bad temper needs calmness. They need the blessings of, of being calm. Right? They need wisdom. You see, you can start thinking of it. Oh, oh, sometimes a person with, with a, a, a short temper needs to learn how to keep his lips together. Right? Not to say anything. Sometimes that person needs 
to have a blessing of empathy where they can see things from another person's point of view and understand what that person is going through. So you see, it's not just getting rid of the bad temper. It's not just focusing on the oh me, the oh my, all the trouble. But we need to focus on the blessing that a person needs. That way, that way you can bless someone who's in opposition to you. You can see what they are lacking that they need from God. You can see what they're missing, and instead of just cursing them, Lord, they're so mean to me, do something to them. They neglect me, they don't recognize me, they mistreat me, they do this, they do that. They always have done it. Instead of acting like that, figure out how you can bless that person. Understand what they really need from God and start blessing them positively. Sometimes you got children who... they It's like they can't remember a single instruction you give them. They can remember... They can remember all the words of the songs that they like. They can remember when their favorite TV shows are on. They can remember uh, the last time they had their favorite thing to eat. They can remember many things, but if you give them an instruction, it's like they go deaf. Or they suffer from temporary amnesia. And that can be very frustrating, right? Well, you can start blessing your children with being attentive. Bless them with ears that are open that can hear. Bless them with a heart that's open to receive instruction. You see what I'm saying? Do you see how you, how you can begin to think differently about problems when uh, you realize that people need blessings? Well, with this in mind, I want you to turn now to Numbers chapter 6. We'll start in verse 22. I'll read you the English and then the Hebrew. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. So there's, in this case, a very specific blessing that's coming from from Aaron and his sons from the priestly tribe. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So it's interesting. You bless the children of Israel, God says to Aaron, and I will bless them. You bless them, and I'll bless them. Parents, this is very helpful. You bless your children, God will bless them. Husbands, this is helpful. You bless your wife, God will bless her. Wives, this is helpful. You bless your husbands, God will bless your husbands. You see, you and I are called to do what Abraham was called to do in this matter, which is to be a blessing. Now, sometimes being a blessing is like a modern English idiom for, uh, I really like you. You're such a blessing. You're such a blessing, people will say. But to be a blessing means to be active to do something that brings God's blessings into the life of another person. 
Now, this English that I read to you is very familiar to you. Of course, the Hebrew is different because it's Hebrew, but the Hebrew actually carries some different connotations that often are not carried forward in the English. I'll just go through the, the Hebrew of the blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya'er Adonai panav elecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panav elecha v'yasem lecha shalom. Now, let's, let's develop the translation of this in a lot of different ways. Uh, I want to start with the very end where it says, And the Lord give you peace. Because it actually doesn't say in the Hebrew, give you peace. It says something more like this, The Lord establish peace for you. Or the Lord set you in peace or settle you put you into peace. It's not about a giving. That's a different word altogether. It doesn't say vayitain, but vayasem, to actually put you into peace. So the Lord is just not offering peace as a gift. In fact, peace is not a gift. It's a fruit. And it's also, uh, it's hard to describe what it also is. It's big. Peace from God, shalom from God, is not merely the absence of conflict. Many times people pray for peace. What they mean is they don't want worry. They don't want trouble. They don't want conflict. They feel they pray for peace in the world. They pray for the peace in Jerusalem. And what they mean is let there not be war in Jerusalem. But peace is actually a much bigger word than that in Hebrew. It's a, it's a positive and a comprehensive thing it, it speaks of completeness, it speaks of goodness, it speaks of the totality of blessings. Now, let's go back to the beginning. The Lord bless you and keep you, or yivarechecha adonai, v'yishmarecha. The, the Hebrew is, is really very clear, though. The English, it, it's not perfectly clear who are you talking to. It's like, are you talking to God? Are you talking to the air, you know? Who is supposed to respond? The Lord bless you. Are you saying God bless this person? In a sense, you're saying God cause blessing upon this person. It's it's not a petition. It's not in the form of a request. It's a little bit more powerful than that. It, It almost has a prophetic edge to it where you are declaring what God is going to do. Now, you're not commanding God. Do you understand that? I don't know about you, but every time I've tried to command God, it it hasn't worked. It's even backfired. And I've sort of given up on the idea. I don't think we are in a position to command God, but we are in a position to speak to him those things which he says we are to speak. And here is one we are to speak. God bless. Lord, cause blessings for you. Let it be Hashem who causes these blessings. Vayishmarecha, the Lord keep you. Keep is, is, is not so good English for our modern ears. Maybe better to say the Lord protect you. Or the Lord watch over you. It's from the same, uh, same root as Shomer. Shomer Yisrael, the watchman over Israel. 
the guard. You could say, may the Lord guard you as well. But interestingly, one rabbi, Hertz, uh, who, who I really like, says that it's been a rabbinic tradition to think that the blessing that people are really expecting is, is possessions. And so they're saying, the Lord bless you with possessions, but then you need the protection, which is, and may the Lord protect you from being possessed by your possessions. Can a believer be possessed? Yes. By things, by worries, by troubles. I'm not going into the realm of the demonic questions. I'm going into the realm of just simple natural life. We can be absorbed with and ruled by desires that will distract us. We can be so focused on stuff that we're not able to live freely. And so even when we're asking God to bless us with stuff, we got to be careful that we wouldn't get so much stuff that it would rule over us. So may the Lord bless you and may the Lord protect you. And then this next, this next phrase, Ya'er Adonai Panavelecha. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you or, or let the face of God, let Hashem's face shine upon you. Or let there be a shining of the Lord's face. And that is, that is something that I really want to develop because this idea of God shining his face is a theme throughout the scriptures. It shows up so many ways. For instance, here's one you may not have been familiar with in Daniel chapter 9, verse 17. It uses a slightly different form because it's, I believe, in Aramaic, but vaha'er panecha. It says, let your face shine. But here's what it's talking about. It says, so now our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. The sanctuary of God has become desolate. Lord, let your face shine upon that desolate sanctuary. So sometimes the cure for destruction and the cure for ruin is the face of God shining. Now, in Psalm 119, it uses a similar form to Daniel, but it says this in verse 135, Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. So it joins together something. The face of God shining on you and me and us learning the ways and the, the regulations of God from him directly. Psalm 31, verse 16, says, Make your face to shine upon your servant. Very similar. But it, it says, Save me in your loving kindness. Isn't that nice? So the, the shining face of God is connected with salvation, and it's connected with loving kindness as well. So some of us could say, Oh, you know what? I need to learn the ways of God. I'm, I'm straying in certain areas or I'm living in a way that's, that's clearly not blessed. I've got troubles I shouldn't have because I don't know how to live in such a way that God sends his blessings to me or ways that are blessed. And so, Lord, teach me your statutes. Shine your face on me and teach me your statutes. Or some of us find ourselves in trouble that we can't get out of. 
and you've done your best and you cannot get yourself out. And what you really need is the saving hand of God working on your behalf. Lord, shine your face on me and save me in your loving kindness. Save me in your, your chesed, in your mercy, in your covenant faithfulness. Save me, O Lord. I'm afraid that some people think that salvation is a very narrow thing that touches you when you say a certain prayer and believe that Yeshua is Lord. But actually, salvation is very broad and can touch every area of your life. You can be saved from your enemies. You can be saved from sickness. You can be saved from death. You can be saved from from heartbreak. You can be saved from persecutions. You can be saved from untimely uh, troubles. You can be saved from afflictions. There are many, many things we need God's salvation to touch. So don't just think that salvation is about heaven. It's much more than that. It's not just an afterlife insurance policy. It's connected to the life that you live now. Now Psalm 80 also develops a theme around God's face shining upon us. I found this interesting because I, I, I noticed that most of us are, are at least casually familiar with, the, with this prayer from Numbers 6 about the Lord shining his face, but we're not extremely familiar with how important and how diverse God's shining face is throughout the scriptures and how uh, it's important for us. Psalm 80, in fact, develops a whole theme around the idea of God's face shining upon us. And it, it focuses on salvation, the way that God's shining face brings salvation or causes salvation or assures salvation. But it goes even further and it develops the theme of intimacy with God, growing intimacy with God, knowing God in deeper ways and, and broader ways. Uh, and it uses a variety of ways to address God. So in verse 3 where it's saying, cause your face to shine upon us. It addresses God as Elohim, which you could say God Almighty. So God Almighty, Hashivenu, restore us or, or turn us around or return us, bring us back, Lord. Vaha'er panecha, and cause your face to shine upon us. And we will be saved. And so he starts by talking about Almighty God, the power of God, and says, if you would shine your face upon us, we'll be saved. And then in verse 7, he addresses God in a different way, but with a similar theme. Now, instead of calling God Elohim, he addresses God as Elohim Tzavaot. Say that with me. Elohim Tzavaot. So it's a way, it's often translated God of hosts. But nobody knows what a host is in America these days unless you're like serving food. But it, it could be, better be translated as Almighty who rules over battalions or the commander of battalions, the Almighty who has battalions. Tzavaot means battalions, organized armies who fight under his command. And so it's saying, Lord who has an army, turn us again and restore us. 
Cause your face to shine upon us and we'll be saved. It's interesting. It's an acknowledgement that God works through those he empowers. He works directly and he works through people. And he works through spiritual beings who are empowered to uh, work under his authority on our behalf. And then in verse 19 of Psalm 80, it addresses God with one more term. It uses that name we call Hashem, the name, yod Hey vav Hey, And it says, Hashem, Elohim, Tzavaot. And so now it's rising up. He's now speaking to God with a covenant intimacy. Not just according to God's power, but according to their relationship with God. You see, sometimes when we're in trouble, we're only interested in resolution of our problems. When we don't have enough resources, we don't have enough power, we don't have enough help, all we want is the help. We want, we want the resources. And yet, the psalmist is rising up in his intimacy. And he's approaching God in this different way, this more intimate, this most intimate way, Hashem. In, in English, you know, it might sound to you as distant because it means the name. But it's not calling him the name. It's this unpronounceable blessing of a name. O Lord, God of hosts, restore us. Cause your face to shine upon us and we will be saved. You see, salvation is not just a matter of power. It's a matter of covenant. And it's a matter of intimacy as well. And to see God working closely, you'll also understand that there are times, this can help some of you understand problems a little differently. There are times when God allows problems to come our way because he knows they will lead us into intimacy with him. I remember having a difficult time in the 80s and I was really drawing close to the Lord in those difficulties. I was, I was getting up early. I was praying consistently. I was, I was really seeking him. I, I spent much time in prayer, much time in his word, much time trying to follow the instruction and the understanding that I had. And then I had this sobering encounter one, one day. I was in my office. We had a business and we had some, some financial difficulties and I was... I was singing along with a song that said, my help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. And I was trying to sing it with gusto. And I, I have to tell you, honestly, I felt the Holy Spirit responded to my worship in unbelief. In other words, he didn't believe me. And he, he spoke to my spirit and said, you don't believe what you're saying. But I was saying it. Why would I say it if I don't believe it? You know, I was trying to argue. I do too. And he said, no, you don't. You don't think I can help you. And during that time, I learned something. I thought God could save me from Hasatan, from the enemy. I thought God could save me from my troubles that other people caused me. I didn't think he could save me from me. 
And some of the problems I was going through were not because of Hasatan, they weren't because of my human enemies, they were because of me. Because of things I had done or not done, because of my lack of wisdom or my lack of character. And yet I was pressing into God. And so I, I needed to know, well, what do you want from me? And the experience and the dialogue that we had is so memorable. That's why I can tell you about it now. Not so much the words as the, the meaning, the content of what he was saying. He pointed out to me that I spent much more time with him when I was in trouble. When I had sufficient difficulty, I drew close to him. And then he said to me something like this, I love you so much, if that's how you want to live your life, I will let you. And then I understood, he would let more problems come to me. And even more, if that would help me draw close to him. It was terrible. I remember there wasn't a sense that I could negotiate my way out of this. You know, sometimes I'm trying to strike a deal with the Lord. And I, I, I came to this place where I understood he was offering me a challenge. The challenge was this. If I would draw close to him during times of good and stay close during times of good, he would let me live in better times. Is this a challenge for any of you? Does this... I hope it helps some of you. It helped me. It doesn't mean I've always been able to live like that. But I understand something. That if I come to God when I'm in trouble and I go away from him when things are good, he will not be able to bless me with good times. He won't. Because it will lead me away from him. And so in order for me really to live the life I need, I need to learn how to live with him in times of blessing. How to live with him in times of good. And how to seek him even when things are going all right. And not how to feel content or smug or, or complacent or self-satisfied and say, things are great. We're just going to keep doing what we were doing. That's like the husband who doesn't understand why his wife wants him to tell her that he loves her. He says, I told her the day we got married I love her. That should be enough. <laughs> Some of us are like that with God. We come to him, we tell him we need him, we tell him we love him, we tell him we depend on him. And then, later on, we don't live like that. Well, we need to stay focused. We need to stay current. We need to keep up with everything. I want to... I want to change directions just a little bit, but I want to still stay focused on this issue of shining faces. And if you have your Bibles, you might find Exodus 34 very interesting, starting in verse 29. It describes Moses coming down from Mount Sinai. It says the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face was shining because, you might want to circle that word if you've got it in your Bible, because 
of his speaking with him. Who are the two he's? Moses speaking with the Lord. The skin of his face was shining. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, or better, woe, the skin of his face was shining. And they were afraid to come near him. And then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. Isn't that wild? And whenever he came out and he spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And so Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. So Moses was shining. Why? Because of his time with the Lord. Because the light of the Lord had been shining on Moses. You see, Moses was like one of those glow-in-the-dark people. You shine light on him, and then you turn off the lights. You know, some of you have you know, like stars in your bedroom. You know what I'm talking about. You, you shine light. It absorbs the light somehow. I can't even think of the correct scientific name for that luminescence phosphorescent okay we have two words so you shine the light on this thing then you turn off the lights and the thing itself is still shining how many of you are familiar with these kinds of objects okay we all are okay moses was like that he went into the presence of god and light from the lord shined on him, and somehow he absorbed it in a certain way. So when he went out, he was brilliant. He was radiant. He was shining. Shining. So shining that he was scary. Glowing might be another way of describing. Now, with that in mind, Matthew 17 takes on a very interesting connotation here. It describes Yeshua going up to the mountain and being transformed. He was in the company of Peter, James, and John. He led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transformed, transfigured before them, And look at this, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. He becomes the brilliance of God. And then, take note of this in verse 3, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with Yeshua. So Yeshua's face is shining like the sun, his garments glowing white as light. Moses and Elijah appear. And I want you to connect this with Moses. 
Moses gets the light from the Lord. Yeshua stands on the mountain as the fullness of Adonai in human flesh. You see, Adonai, if you will, cloaked himself in humanity in order to do something on our behalf. But even on the mountain, there's a revelation of himself in the company of his dear friends Moses and Elijah. The shining one who shined in different ways on Moses is shining again. And I want you to see the connection that it is Yeshua shining, not Moses. Why? Because Yeshua is the one who is the light of God shining. Moses then comes into his presence, but the focus is on Yeshua. It's not on Moses and Elijah. And his disciples take note of this. He is shining. But it's different from Moses. Moses got it because he was in the presence of Adonai. Yeshua had it because he was Adonai. Shine your face, O Lord, upon us. Where do you get your blessings? You know, the best way to get your blessings is from being with God. From spending time with him. Moses was with God, his skin was shining. The more you are with God, the more light you receive from him. The more light you can shine on others. Now, it may not be that your skin will shine. It may not be that you will be like this physical glowing manifestation of your encounter with God. But it will be true that God's light can shine on you and impact you and bless you so that your light can rise up and shine on other people. The more light you have, the more darkness you can drive away from others. The more light you have, the less darkness you're going to have in your own life. Yeshua said, on another mountain, maybe a plateau, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You see, the light you get by being with God becomes light that you can then shine on others. The good works that you do because you were in the presence of God and received empowerment and assignments and responsibilities from the Lord, that those good works that you do enable you to illuminate for others the reality of God so that others will glorify your Father who is in heaven. How do you get this light? By being with the Lord. The more time that you spend with the Lord, the more light you're going to have. The more light you have, the more you're going to see darkness driven away from you, driven away from your realm and driven away from those all around you. 
The Lord be gracious to us, we pray. What does that grace mean? It's favor. The Hebrew is favor. May the Lord favor you. May he give you what you don't deserve. May he be partial to you because you're one of his. May he do wonderfully on your behalf. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'navilecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'navilecha v'yasemlecha shalom. Use this, the Lord says, to put his name on you. And then the Lord says, and I will bless them. This may help some of you who have been battling problems, facing problems, trying to figure out how to solve problems, and the answer may be to turn away from that focus on some of the problems and ask, what blessings do I need? God, I need more. Before we finish tonight, let me ask you to think about a blessing that you need, a blessing you need in life, something that has become clear to you. It's not just a problem that you need to go away, but it's a blessing you need from God. Do you need shalom? Do you need favor? Do you need light? Do you need integrity? Do you need, do you need hope? Do you need courage? Do you need perseverance? What is it that you need from God? And I want to ask you to be clear to the Lord and say, Lord, bless me. Bless me, Lord. Oh, some people are saying right now, I can't ask him to bless me. I don't deserve it. That's why you throw in the favor sign. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Don't give me what I deserve. Give me from yourself, and I will use it for your good, Lord. If you'll bless me, I will bless others. Be thou a blessing. If you can say amen to that, you can say, Lord, here I am. I want to be a blessing. I want to take my eyes off of my problems. I don't want to be a problem-centered person. I don't want to be focused only on my difficulties. I want a different way of living and a different perspective. If, if that's your desire, go ahead and stand up and say, Lord, I'm just a little closer to heaven this way. You might want to lift your hands up to the Lord if you're comfortable with that. If you're physically able to. Lift your palms uprightly to him like someone who's coming empty-handed but expects something good to be put in your hands. You might offer your empty hands to the Lord and say, Lord, would you fill my hands and would you give me your blessing?" It's not that you're asking God to bless what you've decided to do. It's that you're asking God to bless you as you've decided to follow him. You're not asking him to bless your plans. You're asking him to give you plans that are blessed. You're not asking him to take away your problems. You are asking him to lead you through those problems in such a way that you bring good fruit, that you persevere with him. Here I am, Lord. He me. 
Here we are, Lord. We so much need your blessings. There's nothing of this world that can bless us adequately so that we would no longer need you, Lord. We need you. Bless us, O oh God. Protect us. Guard us. Show us how to avoid going in the wrong way. Cause the light of your face to shine upon us and we will be saved. Cause the light of your face to shine upon us and we will return and we will be restored and we will be renewed. Favor us, Lord. Lift up your face. Show us your smile. Recognize us, Lord. We are your sons. We are your daughters. And establish us in your shalom. Lasting shalom from on high. We ask this with confidence. With boldness. With assurance that you save us. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.